Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. How's your week going? Today, we will wrap up the very short series on types of yoga asana. If you didn't listen last week, no problem. You can go back if you want, but we'll be talking about some completely different styles of pose class today. I am going to reiterate before we start that postures, poses, what we think of when we say we're going to yoga is just one small part of the full practice of yoga, the philosophy of yoga. Last week, I did a brief overview of the eight limbs of yoga, which include ethical guidelines, breath work, and meditation. So if you're curious, episode 164 is for you. I won't go into it again this week, but it's important that we remember this because otherwise the practice of yoga would be limited to those physically capable of or interested in physical classes. And and it isn't. We can all engage with yoga in many different ways. This is just a couple episodes with a breakdown of what you could look for on a studio schedule if you wanted to physically do some poses. It's also important because the tradition, the roots of yoga are so much more than a physical practice. And honoring that, acknowledging that, and understanding that is a key to appreciating the entire practice. You know, last week we talked about some very physical types of yogasana class, hatha, ashtanga, power, and vinyasa. Today, we'll dial it down a bit to start. It is still a physical practice, but the pace of this first class is significantly slower. We're starting with restorative yoga, which I teach and love, and I have a class up on the Patreon for members there because I just love this practice. I will tell you, though, that just because it's slower paced doesn't mean it's for beginners or that the others are more advanced. Restorative yoga involves just a few postures over the course of the practice, but we hold them for long periods of time, five minutes or more. (laughs) Now, before you get worried about that, in restorative yoga, the idea is to use pillows and blankets and blocks, bolsters, whatever you've got to help support your body so that you can fully relax into the pose. Sometimes I say that we're letting our muscles soften around our bones. A lot of the class takes place lying down on the mat. It can be very relaxing. And in fact, it is really good for stress relief and resetting your nervous system. Holding the poses a long time allows you to get deep into the stretch, into the muscles, but also into your fascia, the connective tissue in our bodies. Restorative yoga, though, because it is so still and quiet, really asks a lot of our minds to also be still and quiet. I've had students tell me it was really difficult because their minds simply wouldn't slow down, much like when a lot of us sit down for meditation. This type of class is a great 
blend, I think, of multiple limbs of yoga, and you can really connect mind and body, since in our culture, we tend to spend a lot of time separating those. Actually, since we're talking about that already, let's talk about how some of the other limbs of yoga are present in an asana class. I know I said I wouldn't go over it again, and I won't, but again, the philosophy is part of the physical practice. They can't be separated, mind and body. Breath should always be at the forefront of any type of asana class. Some classes use specific breaths that the teacher will speak to. Others use a natural breath. But the practice asks us to be aware of our inhalations and exhalations throughout. This isn't easy, but the breath does provide a foundation for the entire practice. And breath is part of the fourth limb, pranayama. So you can see that in every physical posture class, you're not just working with one limb. Another one I want to touch on briefly is one of the yamas in the first limb of yoga, and that's ahimsa. I did an entire series on the yamas, so you can listen to that if you like, and several of them apply to our our posture practice, but this one really stands out to me because it means non-violence, non-harming, and that is both external non-violence, not harming other creatures, but also not harming ourselves. A lot of our Western yoga classes seem to forget this one as we just try to push ourselves further and further into a pose regardless of our body's readiness or its need. Some of this has to do with our cultural need to win or be the best or push ourselves or do the hardest version. But when that crosses into harming ourselves, we're not practicing yoga any longer, even if we're still at class. I would say this mindset walks a pretty thin line of self-violence all the time, and it's a place our our whole society could, could use a little more yoga. But we're talking about asana, so if you're pushing and pushing and hurting your body, remember that not only is that not what yoga postures are for, that's the antithesis of yoga as a whole. So that's somewhat unlikely in a restorative class, at least I hope, but it could certainly be present in some of the others we've talked about. And I just, I didn't want to let it go unsaid. Related to restorative yoga, but slightly different, is a yin class. Now, a lot of times these two styles of class are listed interchangeably. And I'm not here to tell you that's wrong or right or call a teacher out. There are some differences. I'll present them and you can do with that information what you like. Like restorative yoga, Yin is all about long-held poses to really get deep into a stretch and release the connective tissue. It uses props like blocks and blankets and pillows too, but instead of to support the body into full relaxation, the props are there to help you ease a little more deeply into the stretch. It isn't that yin isn't relaxing. It's, it's just maybe a different kind of relaxing, whereas restorative is very good for relaxing the mind and healing the nervous system, which may also happen in yin, that's not the point of yin. Yin is active without a lot of movement, stretching to the point of discomfort, but certainly not pain. We don't want to trigger the muscles to reflexively contract, which is a safety mechanism that's built into our bodies. Some yin classes offer movement between the poses, others uh, less so. 
I've had teachers tell me that a traditional yin class doesn't use props and others tell me that they do. So you may find a propless class, but usually you can use props if you'd like to. Yin is a slow practice. I, I don't know that everyone would consider it gentle, but it could be. It was designed to be a complementary practice to the faster yang practices like vinyasa, which we talked about last week. Restorative yoga was originally intended for people with injuries or even chronic illnesses to experience yogic healing without the strain of the other types of classes. Again, you'll sometimes see these listed interchangeably, and that's okay. I, I just think it's nice to know where the differences lie to have the knowledge, but also so that we're aware if things aren't exactly as we expect. We can practice letting go of our expectations, and that is healing too. Quick story, little side note for you. I once went to a class that was called Restore or something like that on the schedule, and I, the expert that I am, thought, oh, I know exactly what that class will be, what it should be. And as the teacher introduced herself, she said, this won't be a restorative class. It's a little different. And then she proceeded to teach her class and do a really good job. And it was a good class. But because I'd come in with all these expectations about what should and shouldn't be happening, I was miserable for every second. Even though she explicitly told us not to expect a restorative class, I still did. And I really wasted an opportunity to practice yoga. Even though I was doing all the postures and going through the motions, I can't, I can't say that I was truly practicing. So I missed doing yoga that day. Still in class. Missed yoga. My point is not just to tell you an embarrassing story about myself. Although, although I've had several people say that they love it when I tell embarrassing stories about myself. But my point is to remind us all that there is value in every type of practice if we're willing to trust that we are where we need to be when we need to be there. That's where the next lesson for our life is, right where we are. Maybe my lesson was to be more humble, to learn to release expectations. If you find yourself in an asana class that wasn't what you expected or isn't what you'd hoped, consider that you're in exactly the right place. Come to think of it, that's, that's probably true for most moments in life. But I suppose that is for each of us to decide for ourselves. So that's yin and restorative, which are both sort of in the lineage of Iyengar yoga, which is named after its creator, BKS Iyengar. Most of the time, if you're looking for an Iyengar class, you'll need to go to a very specific studio that specializes in this type of class. But you might also see uh, something similar listed as alignment yoga. Iyengar classes focus a lot on being very precise and paying strict attention to the anatomy of each pose, the alignment of your body, of your bones, and such. It's another class where the poses are held for a long time, and we use props to help find what is considered the proper alignment in each pose. A lot of people swear by this method of yoga because it's very good for stability, strength, flexibility, body awareness, and it's even considered to be therapeutic for some types of physical conditions. Other people simply love using the props to help them find the pose in their body. It isn't an easy class, though. Like, it isn't 
relaxing on your mat, like in restorative class. It can be physically challenging postures assisted by props. Some of the other physically demanding classes might use props, but Iyengar is built around them, not just grab a block if you like, you know. Generally, this is considered a very safe practice, even if it's tough, because there is so much attention given to alignment and balance. But it's still really important to honor your body and injuries and any limitations, not just in Iyengar, but in all types of exercise classes. Teachers can sometimes feel like they need to push their students really hard so that they'll, they'll feel like they got a good workout. I mean, this isn't, it's not my style, and I personally don't enjoy being taught like that, but I know plenty of people who do. Now, remember, you are the boss of your body, and if something doesn't feel right, you are well within bounds to say no or to stop. And if a teacher makes you feel bad about that, then perhaps another teacher is for you. And there is a teacher for everyone, and possibly even an asana class for everyone. Iyengar is great if you love lots of direction and assistance and precision. The last style of asana class I want to touch on is kundalini, partly because I get asked about it a lot. And as best I can tell, there are a ton of misconceptions about what it is. And I'll be fully honest with you, I don't have a ton of experience in this discipline. I've taken some classes and I studied it some, but I'm not an expert. This will definitely be an overview. First off, you need to know that if you go to a kundalini class, the regular practitioners will be wearing all white, and most of them will be wearing white head coverings. You don't have to, but just be aware of that so it doesn't surprise you. Second, there are chants and singing and meditations. You may be given a song sheet so you can follow along, but a lot of times the class regulars will already know the material, and it can make us newbies feel self-conscious. Just go in knowing this will happen and you're less likely to feel so uncomfortable. Also, the chants are not in English. The teacher may give you the translation or it may be written down. I just want you to be prepared because it will be unlike other yoga classes you might have gone to. The, the physical postures don't start until much later in the class than you might expect. And the postures aren't the ones you see on the cover of magazines or on Instagram. There's something called a kriya that is a movement paired with a breath pattern, and it's repeated multiple times. You'll likely do multiple kriyas and then close with more chanting and meditation. It's very different from the practices we've been talking about. And, and even though I'm not highly versed in this style, I have loved every kundalini class I've gone to. Aside from the physical benefits, this is a practice that really suits people looking for a spiritual and energetic yoga practice. Uh, it can clear chakras, stagnant energy, and it can be really healing in more of a mental and emotional way, sooner than some of the others that we've talked about. And again, most of these practices share benefits to spirit and body, but I personally found that kundalini yoga allowed me to connect spiritually more easily than the more physical practice, possibly because I wasn't so focused on not falling down or if I could touch my toes. You might have heard people talking about a kundalini awakening, and it is related to this practice in that the idea here 
is that we all have a divine feminine energy coiled around the base of our spine that when uncoiled moves up through our spines, through the chakras, out the top of our heads. And it is the process of unfolding, uncoiling our true nature. It's considered a spiritual awakening and kundalini yoga is a process to open up that energy, to uncoil it, to bring it to our consciousness. The practice prepares you for the awakening and it also facilitates it, although there are stories of spontaneous kundalini awakening as well. So there are a few more types of yogasana practice for you to think about. Restorative, yin, ayengar, and kundalini. Totally different from last week, right? I hope that this helps us all see that yoga is a practice that we can all participate in either through the many types of posture practice available to us or through the other aspects of yoga. If you have questions, you know you can always find me on Instagram and Facebook at Your Chakra Coach or listen, just email me directly, uh, sarah at yourchakracoach.com. As I mentioned last week, these episodes were a listener request. So if you have a core request, let me know. This show is for you and I want it to be the most useful and interesting it can be. I hope you have a great week and I can't wait to connect again soon. Bye.